Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart Bell here, and today joined by Phil Teltner. Phil, how are you doing? I'm great, Stuart. How are you? Fantastic, thank you. We were just talking before we hit record, and there's some interesting elements around the idea of having a book that's going to come up. So my mind's racing a little bit thinking down that route. But let's start at the beginning. And for people who don't know you and the background, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and the organization? Then we'll kind of transition into the book world. Yeah, of course. My name is Phil Teltner. I'm the owner and lead advisor at my wealth management firm, Breakout Private Wealth. We serve the complex needs of Gen X families, specifically, I suppose, Gen X women. So think somewhere around 45 to 60 or so, right when life really gets complicated. Uh Uh, And we'll go into some of that, perhaps. My my story is I've been involved in finance, so to speak, my whole life since I've been 18. First half of my career was at as a member of the Chicago Board of Trade, I traded for off the floor for a private fund. I did some other stuff, was trained, classically trained, I guess, in this industry by big Wall Street firms, Morgan Stanley. Oh, I shouldn't say that, but a couple of big Wall Street <laughs> firms. And uh, quite honestly, Stuart, it just came to a point where I was so constrained with the advice and way that I can impact and transform, take people from where they are, I suppose, to where they desire to be in that ecosystem, sales driven, all that. And right about in the middle of the pandemic, I pretty much had enough and started my own company. And and I'm grateful that a lot of my clients followed, which is amazing. And we've been going strong. That's the issue, isn't it? That traditional finance, it's a machine. And it can churn people up because it's a hard kind of, it's a high pressure environment that's constantly moving. But also, I think, as you identified, the ability to make that personal connection with people and really offer advice and guidance that's specifically tailored to them and not driven by the needs of either sales quotas or what your what's in scope or out of scope of what you're allowed to sell. It's very, very constrained. And I think a lot of people don't realize customers this is don't realize they're looking at it from the outside thinking that a financial advisor they just assume that everyone is fiduciary without knowing what the term even means which isn't the case yeah no far from it it's it's just so it's impossible to provide the right kind of advice when your i'll say book of business has almost 200 people in it some are retired, some are in their 80s, some are in their 20s or 30s, everywhere in between. It's very hard for me. I left work every day feeling, I don't know if sad's the right word, but frustrated that, that I just wasn't able to go deep enough with the clients to, like I said, impact them the way that I wanted to. Yeah. And like, I guess in layman's terms, it's about selling more stuff (laughs) and and selling more stuff has no benefit to the successful outcomes of your clients really doesn't. 
particularly with the experience that you've got. I mean, it's not like you're one or two years into the career. So having a wealth of experience, but not being able to execute on that, I can see why you took the decision to branch out by yourself. Yeah, I wrestled with it for a long time. And then when COVID hit, I had 180 clients, most of them I didn't know, but then all of a sudden everybody wanted to know me. Right. Um, so while I did my best, it just reinforced the fact that, you know, that's just not the business that I wanted to create for myself and nor did I really feel like it was a triage. It right. was like, like put a bandaid on it and move on. Move to the next one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't, you know, the ability to have thoughtful conversations, the ability to bring in subject matter. It just wasn't conducive to that. Right. You know, by yourself and kind of tying it in with the book, which, as you mentioned, is the, oh, well, maybe we didn't mention the title. The title is like the target group that you're working with. So the Gen X Guide to Financial Independence. That group of people you were talking about, Gen X families, mainly female that group as a target audience, as the group that you knew that you could help the best, was that intentional? Kind of you left the, closed the office door of the corporate world and opened the other one intentionally looking after those people? Or was that just what's transpired in the last couple of years and you found yourself doubling down in that group because perhaps it's something that's resonated or there's more, a better opportunity to help that group of people? Great question. So I, you know, Sometimes I think uh, when you're struggling or thinking about a niche, a lot, you know, a lot of times the niche is you. And, no, and so a uh, build on this niche and acquire clients and all that is I speak their language because, oh, that's me. I'm trying to, you know, career, marriage, aging parents, college. Like you name it and it all converges right at right. this time and it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming for anybody. And what mo what happens when most people get overwhelmed is they do nothing. Right. And unfortunately we're too, what I, I want to be careful. I want to say old, but we're too far <laughs> along in our career where like doing nothing isn't an option right the inevitable march of time i think it's the same as financial services or retirement planning particularly within that bigger genre but that and the doctors that we've worked with in in some circumstances at least obviously they're also constrained with what they kind of can't say but both of those areas doing nothing an outcome is going to happen doing nothing is going to mean that it's probably the least beneficial one. Ideally starting things 10 years ago would have been the best idea, but we are where we are today and nothing is a bad outcome. Well, one of the things that started me kind of on this journey was because of the situation I was in, I would have conversations with somebody, let's say 10 years past where I let's, you know, they're like staring at retirement or whatever. And we're having these just very difficult conversations because their vision of what they want to do now that is not sustainable. Right. And of course, I have to be the one to tell them that. And the real sad part behind that is 
had I had them in my office seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, we'd be popping champagne, right? <laughs> so, so you know, it it got me thinking, just like, well, you know, it is such a critical time, and we can really make, like I said, such an impact on the trajectory of somebody's financial life, maybe even life, just at the time when they feel most overwhelmed and just for whatever reason, inertia or whatever, just don't quite raise their hand and say, I need help. As uh, that's an idea. So we often talk in terms of the books about this job of work. What's the job of work that a book is doing? And it's not, we're not, we're not selling books. Books aren't the product. We're not authors in the sense of fiction authors where our career is around the books. So the job of work is doing something else. And that doing is typically starting a conversation. But it's very interesting to think about from the perspective of having identified a niche understanding that group of people understanding what their problems are and what's preventing them from getting the outcome that they want and then writing something that starts that conversation so the book itself isn't full of technical advice on stock picking and the various different retirement options it's really helping people identify and overcome the inertia like you were saying of raising the hand and taking that first step so was that something that came naturally as you were kind of working with the team to put the outline together or did you start from the position of okay we need to share some technical stuff and people need to do x y and z and but actually as it turns out it's a slightly different conversation yeah no i had i think worked it out prior to us working together that i needed the book i wanted the book for to be there for people to identify and say hey like this guy gets it like right this, these are my oh you know i'm feeling the same way and i'm not alone and oh like i i think he can help me let me get some more information right right and that's the that i wanted to write the book like nobody's going to read or have any interest in, you know, a 10 step plan to do a backdoor Roth or something like <laughs> I, there. There's people you can do that, right? You can, yeah. you can Amazon, you can do all that. My goal for this was, like I said, to help people understand that number one, you're not alone. <laughs> number two, we work with a lot of these people these are what we see and oh including what we have in our own life because you know i take off my advisor hat i have a family and all these other things too and that you know we can help so and if it's you know if that's not for you then even better totally cool (laughs) right that's great too because it helps people identify who you can help and identify what the next steps are who you resonate with, why they can resonate with you, identify themselves in the problems and the concerns that are raising and just start that comfortable journey. It's interesting. I think the we always say to people in terms of the funnel, the campaign, kind of identify people at the first level and then kind of sift and sort at the second level. 
rather than trying to filter people out too early. But that comes from the perspective of it's such a subtle difference. I'm trying to think of the best wording to describe it. That almost comes from a scarcity perspective of people sometimes want to filter out what they perceive as the tire kickers. They don't want to waste time on people who they don't feel they can make the most or get the most value from as opposed to going out there with something broad that is broadly applicable but there is an element of self-identifying in there if not sifting and sorting is the right word but identifying and that i think is a good way of thinking about it much better than i want to write something that excludes the people who i don't want instead write the thing that is broadly valuable to the group that you've identified but then if people don't resonate that's fine it's uh, yeah a subtle difference but yeah no i think that makes sense and you know you know i'm not selling widgets so i don't need you know we run a a very high touch practice so yeah it is clearly not for everybody and that's totally cool but for the people it is for right it very the, much the, is for it is for them right and, right and the cool thing about that from a professional standpoint is those are really good people for the most part and really good people attract other really good people right and it make business enjoyable work enjoyable right uh, it makes me want to work forever <laughs> and because yeah. it's very rewarding far beyond the PL of my business it's very rewarding for I think that subtle element, oftentimes people will think of a book as kind of like a lead generation tool or a referral orchestrating tool. And just think in terms of that kind of first level nuts and bolts of how it works in that campaign. But there's so many subtle elements to the fact that it now exists. One of those being, if someone resonates with the content, by the time you actually get to a phone call or a Zoom call or they come into an office, I was talking to, we did a podcast probably a couple of months ago now, but Paul, the podiatrist, was saying that he'll have people come in the office and quote back to him the things that he was saying. So it was no longer the case that he was trying to tell people for the first time they should follow this procedure or take this wellness routine or be mindful right. of their feet in this situation in a particular way but people were quoting back so i imagine the same thing is going to happen with you it's not no longer you having meetings with people where the fact that you're approaching their retirement in a certain way is new or novel the whole reason that they're there is because they resonate with the ideas that are in the book or in the follow-up well that's wicked smart i think the when i'll say book but everything that comes around the book yeah does the heavy lifting for you right for lack of a better word right where and like we just spoke about those people the invisible like they'll raise their hand and by the time that we talk or they come in or we grab a breakfast or whatever it is they're already drinking the kool-aid i guess for lack of a better term right yeah. they're already aligned with our values with our the way that we run our practice with the value i don't have to pull out a powerpoint and like put people to sleep with powerpoints about how much money you should save or something like that yeah it's that it's idea of rapport building and there's a baseline expectation that anyone who's dealing with a professional services provider they're going to provide that service there's no one 
makes a call to someone and with a question of, well, can you actually do what you say you do? The assumption is that you're doing it. So the difference is then either nuance of approach or the rapport that you're building with them. And I think that's such a leading with a kind of an empathetic approach to here's some broader problems that you might be suffering with or things that you're looking to fix. And a number of those come down to a financial burden or lack of certainty or outstanding questions or concerns. But building that empathy first and going in with, hey, we're on the same page, we're suffering from the same problems, here's how we've helped people just like you. That's the thing that builds the rapport. And a book, I was talking to someone yesterday saying that they were kind of cross-shopping us with some of the organizations. And I was saying to them, we're absolutely not a publishing company, although a book is a thing that you end up with. We're not a traditional publishing company in the sense that book sales or ownerships or intellectual property, although we want to give all of this back to you. And the reason is because we want this to be a living document that you can take and run with and develop and tweak and change as the business changes or as the feedback that you get from those real people changes. So that opportunity to build that rapport that we have with the authors and people who are thinking about doing it, again, comes from wanting to make the most for the other people, just as you are with the clients that you're bringing in. So well said. So the one thing that I struggle with for a little bit was perfectionism, of course, right? (laughs) Uh, You know, and I finally got to the point where I was pretty confident it was about 80% or so roughly of the way I wanted it. And then I just said, you know, okay, yes, let's go. Right. And I think, you know, your point about being able to, so, you know what, I'll change it. It'll change a little bit based on conversations I have there. I might add, subtract, you know, and that's totally cool, but you have to do it. You have to start. Right. Right. I think that's where people, it's just hard for some people, I guess. And just as I don't think I've ever particularly thought about this before in this way, but it's come up through, this is why I love these conversations, because there's so many different perspectives and way of thinking about it in the live conversation. The idea that for your clients, the kind of, there's something that's holding them back from making those decisions, either a fear or a lack of certainty or something around the process or procedure. It's exactly the same for the people that we deal with. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people that we speak to as say i've had this idea for years but i've never got around to it and it's because there's a lot of nuts and bolts and annoying little nuances that can trip you up and just you get stuck in the weeds and caught up but one of the reasons why we intentionally keep the books so we say to people quite clearly up front this isn't ghostwriting we've got a very specific process that leads to the content but one of the main reasons we do it that way Not only does it make the cost more accessible for people, but it brings your tone, your voice, your way of speaking, the nuance in the language that you use in the creation process comes through in the final product, which then ultimately comes through when people walk through the door and talk with you. And it's that familiarity, that rapport building. It's such, again, a subtle and kind of third or fourth tier difference. But the idea of having something this 80% good enough that gets out there and starts the conversation. I mean, separate from the whole kind of readership 
levels out there and the fact that we're not writing these books for entertainment. We're writing these books to help people take the next step. And whether they actually read it or whether they just skim it and jump on a call, I can see who not how over your shoulder there in the back oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 talking yeah. about perfectionism. So I'm referenced in that book because there's a chapter about Dean, my business partner, right. and right. my name's mentioned in there, but I spell my name in the weird British way, S-T-U-A-R-T. Yeah. And in the book is S-T-E-A-R-T. S-T-E-A-R-T. Idea of not letting perfectionism stop you from putting out there. It's definitely a plus. That's why it's up there because number one, I got to, I'm in a back office, but like that mindset is so important, whether you're, you know, writing a book or hiring a financial advisor is like, I I work with, I only work with smart people. (laughs) So are they capable of doing it themselves? Probably. Is that the way that they want to spend their (laughs) most valuable resource which is time. Right. I mean, if you want to do all the, all everything that we do for yourself and not go to your kid's game or play or dance recital, have date night, hang out with the boy, whatever your other life is, we are not going to get along anyway. So, you know, but for most of my clients, like just being able to know that we're taking care of it and that we're co-creating this plan and ongoing discussions with them. Right. And so building, valuable. That, building that relationship over time, I think that's the benefit. So you bring in all of the expertise you've got from all of the years of background and distilling that into the thing that is the most beneficial for the particular group of people who you've decided you can help the best. And through the pages of the book, They've identified themselves as having some of those problems, the issues that are in there resonate with them. But to be able to distill all of that expertise into the thing that gets the result for them and then build that rapport over a longer time. I think that's another element of of the book opportunity that is maybe not the one that people think about initially. So a lot of times people are thinking about the lead generation and having the book out there and people will identify and then join the path and the conversation goes from there. But one of the more subtle opportunities is in referrals and having the book as a thing that existing clients can share with people who they hear talking about talking about retirement issues or concerns or worries that they have. And this whole idea of the book as gift giving and you're enabling your clients to be the hero to their friends by giving something of value, just creating something that has that downstream benefit. I think that's another more subtle element or as I say, a second or third order element that's often overlooked. Yeah, no, it's really, it's so interesting. And I've spent some time on the marketing side of this. So, you know, having that tangible, it's so important, probably in any business, I would guess for sure in a service business where like you're buying an outcome, but that outcome isn't in 2024, most likely. Right. You're, let's just say you're buying peace of mind. Right. Peace of mind is an overtime thing, right? And your comment on rapport couldn't be more spot on 
And people forget in my business, I mean, you know, clients die. Right. You're the, you know, maybe not the first phone call, but we're up there. Yeah. You know, things happen and divorce, all these life things that happen. We're on the front lines of all of those things. So having that conversation, being able to have rapport, feeling comfortable with your advisor, knowing that you'll get a prompt return phone call. All these things are, you know, talk about like next level to the business, way more valuable than your asset allocation or something like that. That's table stakes at this point. That's the point, isn't it? It's table stakes because especially as we're moving into a interesting time in history where the opportunity that AI provides to do a whole load of base level things across the board, some of them, a lot of them may be better than people could do. But the thing that is, it's the relationship side of things and the actual understanding, not the knowledge, but the the way that knowledge is implemented for many service businesses, that is going to be a key differentiator over the next three, four, five years as things kind of stabilize to whatever new reality turns out to be. And I think the opportunity to create something in a book where a book has a different, there's a psychological, humans attribute a psychological um, value to a book as opposed to a document on a screen. But to be able to create something like that in a way that shares your opinion and your values and for those people who it resonates with, that's the connection. There's such a big separator between the people who I think understand that and those who are maybe looking at AI as a shortcut to not do the work. That's not going to be successful for them. There's going to be a whole load of baseline stuff that's just now out there like the i always remember the, the there's a chart out there that shows the youtube the available hours of youtube content since 2003 4 whenever it started and it just goes up into the trillions of hours of content but if you were to have some kind of qualitative measure on that not just a quantitative measure that's going to be the same for content for everyone going forward so those people who those business owners who do nothing are just going to get left further behind because the next group up the people who do the minimum possible automatically generated stuff which is still better than the current level but it's still not quite as good as doing individual stuff so do nothing to get left behind. Do the bare minimum of just automated stuff. Oh, okay, you maybe keep up. Right. But if you've got the opportunity to create something that really is making a personal connection with people and then use AI to kind of augment it and distribute it in a more effective way or create variations on the theme in a more effective way because it's scalable. But this idea of authoring your ideas in your way of presenting it passing that to actual other real human beings, that I think is going to be the separator over the next period. Yeah, I would I would agree 100%. You know, there are certain things in life you need to be able to look somebody in the eye and have a conversation and understand somebody. And AI, you know, like you said, for some things, I think in a lot of ways, the more people are going to rely on that, the more they're going to crave eye-to-eye personal connection. The further away we get away from personal connections, 
the more I think people feel disjointed, un not connected. I mean, you know, like pick on Facebook, right? I mean, it's trying to connect people, but do you really feel connected? Right. Or when you go for a beer with somebody, do you feel connected, right? Yeah. Or you for coffee. Commenting on somebody's adorable kids is great. But it's not a substitute for, hey, let's go grab a cocktail or something like right. that. And we're humans. I mean, we need personal interaction, right? We need that. So, And as you say, not every industry is going to be the third or fourth in the list for that phone call when something traumatic does happen. But in our own ways, we're all we're all on the spectrum of that connection and really trying to help. And I think for the majority of people who we work with the majority of people who you're dealing with it's a subset of the bigger community we're not high volume businesses we're high touch businesses and to be able to have the book there as the start of that conversation to show that to demonstrate that it's something that you care about and you're passionate about it, it's a separator for that subset of people who have the opportunity to enter your world your sphere of influence it's it just starts everything off on the right foot we should check back at some point in the future because we're just we're just getting to the point that your book's being finished. So the marketing bit, we're just kind of starting that journey. We haven't got there's not some strong feedback to to share with the world yet. So we should definitely check back on that. But one of the things I did want to touch on that you mentioned just before we started recording was almost like a pre-release, even before the book's done and out there. And there's no, it's kind of like shh, don't tell anyone. This isn't an official marketing campaign, but still, you made a couple of posts about the book and that it was just about finished and coming soon. Do you want to talk a little bit about what happened, kind of unintentionally? <laughs> yeah. So I was sitting on my deck on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, I pulled up a copy of the cover, and I'm staring at it, going, "Should I do it? Should I do it? <laughs> I don't know. What? Okay." So I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. So I just put the picture up there and said, you know, coming soon and first 10 DMs or whatever, get a free copy in one to two weeks or whatever. It's available. I mean, my, my, it exploded. And I did the same thing on Facebook and I'm not active on Facebook barely at all. And same thing on Facebook and same exact. And these are one post on each platform. Right. Same exact. I know. I walk into the gym in the mornings. They're calling me Hemingway and stuff like that. So, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, Dean always talks about invisible prospects, right? And that's kind of anecdotally what I've people that, you know, I mean, I know, but don't whatever are all of a sudden somehow pulled into my orbit or my sphere of influence, if you will, whatever, literally just from one post. Right. And so. almost the, I mean, it wasn't, people get so wrapped up in their heads around the campaign and what do we structure and what's the follow-up and all of these details, which is almost kind of like a psychological procrastination against doing something, just quickly throwing a post up there just with the cover shot and saying, hey, come and soon DM me if you want a copy. And then getting a hundred or so people replying and saying, hey, yeah, I'm in, send that to me. And it's difficult to tell the downstream impact of that, who then shares that with someone else and talks to someone else and almost from the smallest effort. And this is why books at the moment and for the foreseeable future, I think have such a outsized value or outsized opportunity to share 
over and above the actual effort or cost to create something. It really is this idea that it's it's a great way of starting a conversation. It's a great way of showing how much you care by the words you've included and the advice or guidance that is put in there. And it helps people who resonate with that idea a clear next step to to start that conversation and move it forward. It's like you said about AI. The more people consume podcasts and you know all these other digital formats, which are amazing, the more impressive or cool or whatever word you want to use it is when you're holding a physical copy right book it's like you know so the same thing like we discussed with ai perhaps where the more valuable that human connection becomes the more valuable that book becomes so that that's kind of my theory on it and like i said I'm not here to get 10,000 clients. (laughs) So I mean, you know, so it just, though the whole goal was to have it help some people if it does to inspire somebody to say, oh, this, this firm, this guy kind of gets me a little bit. I'm going through that too. Let me see if he can help me. Awesome. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and it was fun. You guys, you guys made it fun. All, All my interactions with you, your team were very helpful. And, you know, like I said before, us entrepreneurs could be a little crazy. So (laughs) your team's got a lot of patience too, which is appreciated. Well, I appreciate it. It's always exciting to get people on the phone, talking through the progress, through the project and progressing towards having it done. And at the end, because one of the best things is to see people when they actually receive the copies and it's there and done and And this thing that's been on their mind for a period of time and now gets completed. And now we can move on to the next stage and the really exciting bit of getting it out there in front of people, sharing the message, starting the conversations. And that's what, that makes us excited to get to that stage. So whatever we can do to help facilitate that and get through the pain in the neck bit so that it's out there in the world. Yeah, no, it was, here's something else. I'll just add real quick as we're wrapping up. Maybe your listeners will find value to this. One of the things that this whole process helped me was to refine my messaging. So just the whole process of having to talk about it, having to write about it a little bit, helped me clarify my message, helped me think deeper about my prospective clients or who I can help the most. And I don't even, couldn't even put a price tag on that. So I probably owe you like tens of thousands of dollars (laughs) more. But honestly, I mean, I was thinking about that the other day, how interesting that that was for me, because it did force me to stop and think and like clarify my thoughts and communicate. And, you know, there's somebody that has to communicate with prospects and clients that's what I do, improving the clarity of those conversations is so valuable. Actually, that's a great point. It's necessity is the mother of invention. So you're forced to sit down and go through that exercise for the purpose of creating the book. And now you've got 50, 60, 70 pages, eight, nine chapters of those sub-headings, the bullets, the important things that people talk about, where that clarity of thinking is just more front of mind because 
you had to go through the process in order to get it down on the page. It's yeah, it's a great added bonus that again, in and of itself, will have legs and benefits outside of just the individual project because as you're talking more broadly about it and making those connections and spreading the message in different ways it just all ties back to this tentpole asset that you've now got of the book that makes the language and the consistency of the framework and the methodology and the approach it just really ties it together in a nice bow that's got a good looking cover on it yeah it's great yeah no where can people find out more about the practice and you? I want to make sure that people, as they're listening, can kind of check out what you're doing over time. Oh, that's very kind. So Breakout Private Wealth is the name of our company. So you can hit the website, breakoutprivatewealth.com. I'm active on LinkedIn. So Phil Teltner, Breakout Private Wealth, T-E-L-P-N-E-R. Through the website, you can jump in and we keep 15-minute time slots or so open for anybody to jump in through the website and we'll just chat a little bit. Fantastic. Most of the time I can help answer a few questions or guide you in the guide people in the right direction. That's cool. And if it makes sense to have another conversation, that's cool too. And the book coming out soon, check social and all that good stuff for the book. But we're putting together, not just the book, but a whole Gen X financial independent toolkit that's going to come with the book too. So it's going to be some cool stuff. I'm psyched. I'll send you one. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) I'll make sure that I put, well, I'm definitely not in the sweet spot of Gen X. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that drumbeat of the marching time. I can hear it in the background as well. I'll make sure that we put links to the website and your LinkedIn profile on the show notes for the podcast and on the podcast feed as well. So as people are listening or watching along, they can just click through and connect. Highly recommend doing that. And then as we get more into the full release and put some of those marketing steps in place, it'd be really great to have you back on. And we can talk a little bit more kind of about the strategies that you've used and some of the more nuts and bolts of getting it out there and share with people how that's been going. Oh yeah, I'd love it. It'd be fun. Fantastic. Well, Phil, thanks again for your time. These always go fast. Enjoy the rest of the week. Everyone listening or watching along, definitely check out the links to the Phil's business and the LinkedIn, his LinkedIn profile. And then we will catch everyone in the next one. Thank you.